in the morning when you want the news you need the front page every hour on the press box nothing's writing on this except the uh, first amendment of the constitution freedom of the press and maybe the future of the country not that any of that matters and now the news dylan brooks was having words with shannon chart hall of famer and broadcast and you see Stephen Adams comes over to protect his guy along with the supporting cast. And then Shannon Sharp still talking. And T. Morant, John Morant's dad, comes over. Had an opportunity to talk to T. Morant. And he said, my, high, my blood pressure didn't go up a bit. Nothing but love and respect for Shannon Sharp. It's a bunch of guys talking a bunch of trash. And just silly. <laughs> just silly that's what we love so we got to go back go got to go back in time to friday to start the front page here because shannon sharp tried to fight the grizzlies i think that's what happened there um apparently dylan brooks and shannon sharp were trash talking each other i'll i'll read some quotes here because espn has a story on this this is from shannon sharp who talked to an espn reporter he said they didn't want this smoke dave they do all that talking and jockeying, and I ain't about that jockeying. It started with Dylan Brooks. I said he was too small to guard LeBron. He said, bleep me. I said, bleep you back. He started to come at me, and I said, you don't want these problems. And then Ja came out of nowhere talking. He definitely didn't want these problems. Then the dad came, and he obviously didn't want no problems, but I wanted everything they had. Don't let these fools fool you now. Uh. What the hell's wrong with Shannon Sharp? Why was he so involved in this? I mean, right. why don't you just talk some smack with Dylan Brooks and end it? Well, well, okay. The, his quotes about I they didn't Shannon want Sharp. this smoke. <laughs> He's talking like he was playing for the Lakers right. in that game. He's just on the sideline as a fan. And he's like, ah, he's acting like he was the starting power forward for the <laughs> Lakers. It's like, Shannon, no, you you're not in this game. What are you talking about? They didn't want this smoke. Yeah, you're a fan. Can we... I, I don't know what's happening there, but I don't know. Shannon Sharp is both incredible and insane. Can we can we literally like take a second to be? The man is wearing a like cardigan. a cardigan <laughs> and going. You don't want this smoke. Okay, because of his. Um, I'll say body shape. Do you think he has to have a cardigan like specially tailored? I actually have an answer to this because I once worked on a suit for DeBrickishaw Ferguson. And yes, they, okay. because, because how professional football players are built, right? It is almost impossible to find because they have a tiny waist. Like they have a 33 inch waist and a like 52 inch, like over the, or uh, under the, like chest size, right, right, right. And for in order to make that look anywhere, the, taper, the tight look, it, not even tight, just anywhere where it's not like bulging in weird places because their pecs are massive. It's it's a ton of like <laughs> tailoring involved. Uh, I would like to know uh, Shannon Sharp's bill for his cardigan tailoring. That would be fun. Uh, I do want to read some more quotes. So T. Morant, John Morant's father, afterwards said Shannon didn't do anything. He was doing like we do in South Carolina. We talk our bleep. South Carolina stand-up. South Carolina stand-up. Bizarre quote. Uh, LeBron James got asked about it afterwards, and he said, 
I mean, I ride with Shannon for 365 days, 366 on a leap year, 24-7. So that's my guy, so I'll always have his back, and he's got mine. He can talk with the best of them for sure. So maybe LeBron does want Shannon Sharp to be his power forward. Uh, and then Dylan Brooks said— Can't be any worse than Russell Westbrook. Dylan Brooks said, I ain't talking about that. You can ask him. He's the blogger or whatever he is. I don't really care about all that. Next question. <laughs> Dylan Brooks is the one who— just wouldn't play along. We wanted him to play along and just <sighs> kind of make fun of it and have all these crazy quotes. He actually got serious about it. I think calling him a blogger is playing along, though. Like calling yeah. the guy who hosts a TV show, oh, that guy's just a blogger. That's a that's a fun line from Dylan Brooks. This is like the dumbest thing that happened over the weekend, and it's I still can't get. Over you see it. security trying to t- trying to uh, think something was going to happen. There was going to be some smoke. <laughs> Police and security running over. Yeah, what are they? they gonna, what, what are they gonna do? <laughs> exactly. Like uh, that's Shannon, what I, I always Shannon Sharp and Dylan Brooks get in a fight. Like, what is the security guard at the arena going <laughs> to do? Absolutely nothing. Stop it, guys! <laughs> I don't want to get fired. <laughs> it is an incredible thing that happened. And then Shannon Sharp. By the way, this happened at the end of the first half. Shannon Sharp just back out there for the second half. No problem. Yep. What do you mean? I almost fought the entire opposing <laughs> team. Of course, I'm back. Why wouldn't I be back? Well, you know what's going to come out is it's going to come out that, like, oh, yeah, uh, someone on the Grizzlies calls him uncle, and, like, they they talk all the time because the amount of people who've come out, like, baseball players, basketball players, football players, who are just like, yeah, I talk to Shannon Sharp every day. (laughs) Yeah, Julio Julio Jones, he just calls me and puts me on the air randomly. Oh, yeah, was that Sharp? Yes, He's Uh-oh. friends with, like, he's like a mentor to everyone. And it's very strange. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty detailed question. Uh, <laughs> that was the best. Leon Rice had an interesting complaint after Boise State lost to New Mexico. So they played uh, over the weekend. And the, what happened apparently is New Mexico at halftime of this game honored the baseball team. So baseball team's out on the court. Hey, here's your New Mexico baseball team. Apparently, after the baseball team was honored, they go, you know, walk down the tunnels to leave the court. And for whatever reason, intentional or not, they were lined up in the hallway outside of the Boise State locker room. And Leon Rice's complaint was that Boise State's basketball players then to get back to the court for the second half had to essentially run through a tunnel of New Mexico baseball players, and Leon Rice was complaining that they were yelling at them and all this. I know Jeff Grammer of the uh, Albuquerque Journal, he tweeted out about this, asked Albuquerque, or asked uh, New Mexico about this, and they said that it was just poor planning, there was nothing intentional there, but Leon Rice certainly thought it was intentional that the New Mexico baseball team was there to heckle his players as they took the court for the second half. All right, I'm going to say it was not intentional, but the heckling probably happened. And do you yes. see, do you see the hallway that Rice is standing next to? Yes. I don't even know how they lined up a baseball right. team and got basketball teams. It looks like there's about four feet across right. that you could even get through. It's like that's where you lined guys up. I mean, I again, I don't think it was intentional, but there's no question some things were said. And yeah. uh, you know, Leon, Leon whines a lot about a lot of things. He does, but in this instance. You know, it just takes one guy to like make contact or something like that, and things to get out of hand. So I'm not saying he's wrong that it shouldn't have happened, 
But I can't believe there was some kind of meeting between the New Mexico officials saying, hey, <laughs> let's put these guys here and like make Boise State run through them. I, I just, I'm not going to say that that was intentional. Do you know how great that would be, though, if New Mexico was like, all right, we need a little bit of an edge. Boise State's pretty good. What can we do? Well, let's honor the baseball team yeah. and then have them heckle Boise State as they take the court for the second half. Phenomenal. I, I actually now hope that it was intentional specifically to know how that meeting went because yeah. that's a great idea. Like, yeah, and Leon, right, or uh, excuse me, um, New Mexico's like, hey, uh, so base when the baseball teams, when we have a big series, we're going to have the basketball team come out and you guys are going to heckle them in the dugout, <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. No problem. We got you covered. Okay, there is no way. I, I will put all the money in my pockets against all pockets. the money in your pockets that there is no chance the baseball team understands any of the heckling that the basketball <laughs> team throws out there because that's not what you do in baseball. You sense any give up in the locker room? Hell, Hell no. What kind of questions that feel? Temple beat number one Houston 56 to 55. Houston now 18 and 2 on the year. By the way, some context. Ken Palm projected a 21 point win for Houston in that game. They had a 97% win probability to start the game. They lost to Temple. And fun fact Temple did not make a field goal in the final seven minutes of the game and still upset the number one team in the country. But here's my actual uh, big picture question on Houston. Are they the new Gonzaga? They've had six straight well, seasons in the top 20 of Ken Palm, and then assuming they do this year because they were number one in Ken Palm before that game, they're going to have three straight seasons in the top five of Ken Palm as well. Is Gonzaga the new Gonzaga? Look what they've done lately. Because they're losing to Loyola Lo- Marymount. And, and, and playing, was it Pacific? That yeah. was uh, five minutes left. It was like a one-point game. I don't know what's happened with Gonzaga. But that's a good point by you. Um, Gonzaga, you know, got to, what, two Final Fours? I want to say they got to the championship against Baylor. Um, Maybe one. They got to a couple Final Fours, I think. But they couldn't get it done. So Houston, yeah, Houston the last four or five years have been really good. They haven't been able to get it done in the tournament um, in terms of winning it um, or getting to a Final Four. So that's a good comparison. I mean, I think Gonzaga's taken a step back this year anyway. Although, Bracketology still has them as a two seed. Um, I don't know where, where's Ken Palm happen. They have to be seventeen and Ken Gonzaga's seventeen. Oh, they're not right a two now. seed then. Yeah. So Houston still held on to number one despite the loss. The the big difference though, and it hasn't happened yet, but it's going to happen. Houston's joining the Big Twelve, whereas Gonzaga <laughs> has hung out in the WCC. So Houston going to the Big Twelve means their their schedule is going to get much more difficult. Their competition is going to be much more difficult. So they probably won't run up, you know, the the thirty and three records that you know Gonzaga has had, and Houston has had a couple of those as well uh, that you see. Now they'll be in the Big Twelve, where good God, the Big Twelve is going to be so good. Someone told me yesterday that the worst they surmised the worst Big Twelve team is the better than the best Mountain West team. Oh, yes, I I don't think it. To Ken Palm rankings of the worst Big Twelve team is sixty four Texas Tech. Oh, Texas and, Tech would win the Mountain West. And before them, it's 40th no Oklahoma. Coach. Yeah. Yeah, 40th Oklahoma. The team with the number one record in, in the in the Big 12 is Kansas State right now. They're only 26th in the Big 12. Uh, but here, I'll give you the rest of the Big 12 Ken Palm rankings. 9, 10, 12, 14, 18, 28, 34. Yeah. Don't Pretty, you think and, Texas Tech would win that league? Uh, probably. I mean, they'd be... It'd be They'd be right there. I mean, it wouldn't be. We'd be talking about them the same way we talk about San Diego State and everybody. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Houston number one and Ken Palm is joining the Big Twelve soon. Yeah, it's a good question. 
it's always a good question. Uh, the Mets. <laughs> what? It's always a good question. Actually, we'll we'll skip the Mets for now. Let's get to this one. Florida released Jaden Rashada from his letter of intent. We talked about this last week. Rashada, he was originally committed to Miami. He flipped to Florida because there was an NIL deal that was going to pay him $13 million. Somehow that NIL deal fell through. Florida's NIL collective said, ah, we can't do that. Rashada ended up signing with Florida anyways, but then didn't show up for spring classes and is now asked out of his letter of intent. And Florida agreed to do it. So Florida probably put in a no-win situation, but uh, he is out of his letter of intent, and we'll see if Jaden Rashada actually gets a good NIL deal from a different school. Wondering if uh, Florida AD and administration met with these guys, these yokels who were going to give up $13 million, said, what happened? <laughs> Where's the $13 million? Oh, we could only come up with two. Uh, yeah, at least be like, all right, if you can't come up with 13 that's fine, but don't tell anybody you've got right, 13 exactly. Unless you've got the Unless 13. you've got the money. Right. So uh, kind of embarrassing for Florida, or at least for their boosters, NIL collective, whatever it actually is, uh, to not to have this fall through when you're promising big money out there and you don't actually $13 million get for a four-star. Yeah, not, not even a five-star. He's not even a five-star, five star Jaden Rashada. Yeah, brutal. All right, coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, we'll get into the Golden Knights because they had a great win followed by an absolutely horrible loss. Double teamed along the near boards. Marcheseau escapes. Right point. Sneaks the pass left. Kessel steps in. He shoots. He scores! With William Carlson in front. The Knights strike on the power play with 11 minutes to go in the second period. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios, this is the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. Oh, Ed's back. Hi, Ed. What's up, brother? I was I was a millisecond away from saying, so where did Ed go? But Ed's back. Ed is good to go. Just so you guys are aware, I'm sitting in Reno um, at uh, Brandy's aunt and uncle's house. Chalet. They have a, they have a four-month-old sheep-a-doodle, and I am stunned oh. that we are almost halfway through this show and we have not heard it bark. Has it been barking all weekend? Yeah, it, the, it's just a puppy that is nonstop all of the time. Uh, but I'm stunned. Right now, he is sleeping on a treadmill. Oh, nice. That's, why, that's why you get a treadmill. Tough workout <laughs> yeah. right there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I, I'm stunned. At some point, I assume... We are going to hear the four-month-old sheep-a-doodle bark, but so far, no barking from the four-month-old sheep-a-doodle. So we'll see. He's a he's I a fun dog. Genuinely think Tyler just likes to say sheep-a-doodle. It's a fun word. You, you try saying you like it out. Sheep-a-doodle. Is it a fun dog? Oh yeah, he's he's a ton of fun. He is just jumps on you all of the time. That's Personal awesome. Space doesn't exist. That's and awesome. He loves to chase golf balls. Oh. Did you guys see? I know that we're supposed to be talking about Phil Kessel right now, but eh. did you guys eh. see that there's somebody? like invented an app so that your dog can text you and genuinely like my only thought is that the dog would just be texting hey 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 i miss you invented an app like it's got like little do you know enough about this to explain it i can quickly google it but i i don't trust you uh, basically (laughs) it's like a pad of symbols and it lets the the dog can be taught like pavlovianly like okay you hit this if you want water and it's like an, it sends you an emoji of just like water. Oh, but well, there's there's dogs on TikTok that have like a 
just a bunch of buttons that make noises and they can press them to tell their owner things and i'm led to believe there are a few dogs that can actually communicate like i need to go outside and like i am hungry and i would like to go for a walk or i would like to cuddle like they have like it they seem to know what's going on with you know five or six little buttons it's called fluent pets and it's a yeah, yeah it's basically buttons that you press and but it texts you like I would like a walk now. What if you're Man. not there? Well, that's why I assume that it's just like all you would be getting all the time is I miss you. I miss you. I miss you. I miss you. <laughs> hi. 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 My dog just sleeps. So kind of yeah. kind of crazy coincidence. <laughs> uh, uh, Tyler's over there talking about a sheep-a-doodle. Apparently this app was actually um, – it was made popular by a dog named Bunny, who is also a sheepadoodle and has nine million followers on social media. Wow. Yeah, Bunny's the one on TikTok that's always hitting the buttons. I didn't know it sends text messages though. That who's might Bunny be a texting? recent development. Yeah, who's Bunny texting over here? That's ridiculous. <laughs> nine million people. Yeah. All right. Um, here's a question for you, Golden Knights. What What do we make of back to back games where they blow out Washington but then lose to Arizona four to one? That Washington guys had a really good time out in uh, Vegas on uh, Friday night. <laughs> that they got in early, and uh, they went out and uh, had a heck of a time. I've heard is that, that the, why Ovechkin had a lower yeah, body injury. I, I've heard the uh, Capitals uh, enjoy their time in Vegas a lot. Uh, maybe during the here. Stanley Cup final, they were like, "Hey, let's hold on, we're trying to win a cup." But on the regular season, I hear they uh, they enjoy their time here. So I think they had played Arizona before that and killed Arizona. If I'm not mistaken, yes, um, as teams do. Yeah, as most teams do, and then got into town and uh, probably had themselves a nice night. All right, good for Alex Ovechkin. Yeah, a he had a lower body injury. He didn't Vegas. even have to play the next day. The Lord yeah. knows what he was doing. I did so, en- did enjoy Twitter. Uh, there was a point where every single tweet was. By the way, Alex Ovechkin's out. It was just <laughs> every single member of our media. It's back, baby. The I don't know if you guys heard, but Alex Ovechkin's out. <laughs> So, the interesting part to me is that Bruce Cassidy decided to play Logan Thompson in both games. And that's interesting because the Golden Knights have gotten pretty good production out of Aiden Hill for a backup this season. He has not been a bad backup goalie. And it has been pretty well proven over and over that if you have back-to-back games, playing your backup goalie on regular rest is better than playing your starting goalie on back-to-back days. But Bruce Cassidy decided to start Logan Thompson anyways. And I thought we talked to Ben earlier in the show, and I thought Ben's point was very good, that this might be a sign that Cassidy is basically looking at the schedule, looking at the uh, performance, and looking at the standings and saying, we can't afford to lose a game. We can't afford to take a night off with our backup goalie, that there's almost a sense of desperation from Bruce Cassidy in late January. Well, I mean, they fired the last guy, whatever, he didn't make it to the Hey, he was in first place at the All-Star game also. That's right. Um, Yeah, I mean, well, you look at the points, they're being bunched up. It's not like it was when they were, what, 13-2 and out of the gates? And you look at Edmonton, as Ben said, how well they're playing. There might be a little, I don't know, is panic the right word on January 23rd? Uh, no, I don't but think that's the right word, but it's a little, let's say, concern. Yeah, because so if you look at the Pacific right now, the Golden Knights have 60 points. Seattle's right behind them with 59. Seattle actually has a better overall Point percentage. points percentage because they've played fewer games. 
LA at 58. So the top three decided by or separated by two points. Edmonton 57. Top four divided by or d- d- divided by or between them is only three points. Calgary's at 53. There's a little bit more of a gap, but it's not uh, an insurmountable gap here in late January. If the Golden Knights have a bad you know two weeks, three weeks here, they could be out of the top three in the Pacific pretty easily. Yeah. And if you look since December 1st. The Golden Knights have the 22nd best record in the NHL and the fifth best record among Pacific yeah. Division teams. All four of these, Seattle, LA, Edmonton, Calgary, have all been better than Vegas since December And that's 1st. a long time. If that keeps up, that's almost two months. If that keeps up for yeah. another month, Golden Knights, they might be fighting for a wild card spot at best yeah. at the, by that time. So I don't think here's I don't think Cassidy's wrong in terms of having the sense of urgency in late January. I do think it was the wrong choice, though, because, again, it's been statistically proven the backup goalie is better than the starter when he plays back-to-back games. But I, I don't think Cassidy's wrong that there should be a sort of extra sense of urgency for the Golden Knights because they have not been playing well for a while, and the Pacific Division has gotten really, really tight. There's a legitimate chance this team has another first place to out of the playoffs type of fall like they did last season. <sighs> legitimate if everyone comes back healthy? Well, and is, is who Mark are we saying Stone is, there, is anyone else injury? is anyone else coming back healthy? I mean, yeah, they're I all mean, coming back. If if everybody came back healthy, they're going to make the playoffs. But we saw last year, and now you got Mark Stone with another back injury, according to Doctor Frank Saravalli. Like, I I think it's legitimate at this point. I don't think it will happen. I think they'll stay I think in a playoff I think they'll spot. Stay in the playoffs. But it's possible at this point because if you fall behind, but they could be a wild card. Yeah, you fall behind the top three, and now you're battling with a wild card, and now it's okay. You don't not only have to hold off a couple of Pacific Division teams, you've also got to hold off some Central Division teams for a wild card. Yeah, it it becomes could become pretty difficult. Um, here's an important question for you, our New Jersey expert. What do you think of like the Arizona them. Coyotes? Oh, I don't like them, man. I don't like them. I don't like the what design. Don't you like, I don't like the design down the uh, side and across the uh, bottom. I don't like them. I don't I mind the scripted. Arizona, I don't mind the scripted. Uh, I don't Arizona like the Arizona scripted. I mean, I like that. New jerseys. One. I thought they were phenomenal. Oh. I thought they were excellent like jerseys. Them. And you know what I loved? On the um, pants or the shorts, whatever you want to call them, they had a cactus where the side stripe normally would. Like the well, Golden I'm looking black at someone, one has the sword. I'm looking at dudes in pants. Yeah, yeah. It, calm down over there. But I'm looking at dudes the, in pants. The cactus on the side. Was excellent. I love the New Jerseys no. for the Coyotes, but Ed over here, our New Jersey critic, not a fan. <laughs> I genuinely thought you were talking about like the state of New Jersey, like he like he was going so to break I. down state of Georgia. Yeah, like I I thought he was about to break down the the Devils for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Ed Graney, the New Jersey critic, is uh, very. Important. I told you I love the retros of the Knights. They don't well. They won the one game against Washington, right? Wasn't that the last time they're using them? Yeah, last time they're going to wear them this year. So they, I think they went three and seven in them. Or yeah, something it was like not that. good. So it was not good. Not, not great. Coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, Lendy Larock of the Lady Rebels joins the show. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Joining us now on ESPN Las Vegas is the head coach of the 19-2 Lady Rebels, Lindy LaRock. Good morning, Lindy. Hi, Lindy. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. 
Uh, so uh, Lindy LaRock joins us. Lady Rebels are 19-2, and two, coming off a win over Colorado State. Uh, I, I read a, a column by somebody named Ed Graney last week, and you guys had a very good season last year, win the Mountain West, go to the NCAA tournament. What I thought was interesting in there was something you said about not comparing this year's team to last year's team and, and having it be its own team, its own identity. How difficult was that for you, and how important has that been to sort of try to almost forget what happened last year so that this year's team can be as good, if not better? Well, I think it's just a process. You know, early in the year, I think it's just, you know, natural human instinct to, you know, kind of just compare what we're doing now to what we did last year because, you know, there's obviously everyone wants to replicate that and, and do more. Um, so, you know, I think uh, everyone's kind of had to, you know, sift through that. But, you know, now we're far enough into the season, I think we're really – um, you know, we found our, our identity for this team and, and a new chemistry um, and identified roles and stuff. So I think we're past it, but it definitely took, you know, a little bit of time for us to work through that. Yeah, and Essence said that sometimes there's complacency. I guess when you win this much, it can set in. What what are, what are your motivational tools? I know you said that you drew from your past. What are your motivational tools to keep them up? You had two tough games against second-place teams, but when you don't play those type of teams – how do you keep them up in terms of, you know, getting them to be motivated to continue on? Um, well, you know, I think our motto is our most important the game, game of the year is the next one. Um, and so we try to prepare like that. Um, and then obviously we want to go out and, and play like that, regardless of who the opponent is. Um, so, you know, that's kind of one tool. And then for our coaching staff, we try to, you know, keep things um, – you know, new and different, although obviously we're, we're playing, you know, games over and over. Uh, we add new things offensively. We try to continue to educate um, our team on, on games, even around the country, and show close games, you know, um, do, you know, special situation things in practice. So, um, you know, it, there's a lot of just trying to just keep it, keep it fresh as much as we can um, and stay really focused at the task at hand. All right, Lindy, I have an important question about a team that's that's generally the favorite because we see it a lot in sports most recently. Uh, Georgia's football team, they had a couple players say nobody believed in us or you guys didn't think we were good enough coming off a national championship. You guys coming off winning the conference and all that, and you guys are 9-0 and in conference play. Do you as a coach have to uh, help your players find a chip on the shoulder? Is that something you think that is important for your players? Um, you know, I think having a, a chip is, is a good thing. Um, you know, even we had a great year last year, but we, we weren't perfect by any means. And even this season, you know, we've won a lot of games, but we aren't just dominating people. And so, um, you know, our chip on our shoulder is, is to continue to play better. You know, Colorado State, like we, we went to overtime the first game, and frankly, we didn't play well. You know, so it's like, well, you know, we we, we got to have a chip on our shoulder to play better. Um, Wyoming last year, we lost there, you know, and, and the program has lost there for a lot of years in a row. So, um, you know, we, we have to kind of reinvent some different things maybe. Um, but there's still a lot, like, left out there for us to be unsatisfied about. And is it important when they, when specifically you don't play your best but you still win, that they don't get too high after a win, that they realize that, and they realize there's a lot of work to do despite the record? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're never going to give any wins back, um, and so we, we love that. But uh, kind of from my standpoint and our coaching staff is, you know, we keep it real of, 
you know, we're, we're super thrilled to get the win, but we didn't play well or we didn't do this or that. And we're going to do it tomorrow in practice um, because we have to get better. And, you know, I think that, again, keeps them, you know, not thinking that we're just right, riding high and mighty. But, you know, we've got a lot of areas to improve still. Lindy LaRock with us, the head coach of the Lady Rebels. So you guys beat Colorado State. You're 2-0 against them this year. Uh, they're number two team in the Mountain West right now. I'm I'm curious. You won the first game, high-scoring game. I think you guys were in the 90s. Second game, you held them under 60 points. I'm guessing you liked the second game better? Well, I mean, I think for fans, you like the first game better. And personally, yes. I, I love high-scoring, so... Um, you know, I, I enjoyed the first game as well, although it was probably a little bit more stressful. Um, the second game, you know, I didn't totally expect it to be just a defensive kind of, you know, knockout there, but, um, that's what the game, you know, gave us. And we knew we had to play better defense than we did the first game. Cause we really didn't play any, um, and, you know, and then uh, offensively, we, we were a little stagnant at times, but our defense, you know, helped us win the game. I wanted to ask you, Derek Hamby came out with some comments yesterday with the Aces about uh, her pregnancy and how she believed she was treated by the Aces. You've had a child here. You had one right before the season. Uh, well, well, let's go to this. How, how has that been? How has it been kind of uh, uh, balancing that act uh, in terms of uh, having uh, your little baby and also having to, on a daily basis, coach a Division One basketball team? Um, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's exhausting. It's thrilling. <laughs> it's rewarding, like all in the same hour. You know, I think she, she heard you talking about her and now she wants to fuss. So, you know, I'm trying to do a one-handed, like, you know, soothe job over here. But, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's hard to, you know, just really put into words, um, motherhood, having a child, caring for a child, um, while still being a professional and, and whatever that is. Um, man, it is, it is two full-time jobs and, you know, you've got to be great with just the time management and emotional management and, you know, some compartmentalization there. Um, but you know, it's been, it's been so rewarding for me and, and our family, you know, uh, my husband and my daughter are able to travel and be around the team. And I'm, I'm really thankful for the support that, that we have. And can you talk about the support that came from UNLV? Uh, just uh, unbelievable. I mean, I think they thought I was a little crazy, um, but you know, they're they're like, hey, whatever you want to do, um, you know, we have your back. And when I was, you know, back with a team, like a week later, they're like, are you sure? And if this is what you want to do, then then you do it. It's your world. So, um, you know, and again, to just allow my my family to be around the team and 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 to travel with us and to just fold everyone in in together. Um, you know, from Harp the AD to our university president, you know, they're always asking for pictures and stuff. So um, we've got, you know, a new little mascot for sure. I was going to ask, the, the team, have they gotten a meter already? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, uh, they are, some of them have some pregame, you know, rituals where they got a holder oh. for like two or three oh. minutes. So, you know, that's what I credit Desi with, with going on her little run here because she, she has to hold her for two minutes every time she goes out to warm up. So I'm like, you know, my husband can't be late with a baby because Desi's got to get her ritual in. <laughs> oh, so okay. So if Desiree, uh, if Desiree Young has a bad game, we get to blame your husband for not having <laughs> the ritual ready to go on time. Well, you know, well, we're we're not going to let that even get. He knows not to even let that chance. <laughs>
Lindy LaRock with us, the head coach of the Lady Rebels, who, by the way, the next game is at home on Saturday against Nevada in the Cox Pavilion. Uh, I want to ask you sort of a big picture question. I, I know you might hate this since you said your motto is the biggest game is the most is, or the most important game is the next one. UNLV and what you guys have done this year and the Mountain West as a whole, is this conference good enough to get an at-large spot in the NCAA tournament? I think that's a great question. You know, obviously as a conference, that's what we're working towards. Um, we see it on the men's side. Um, I think our teams in the league um, are getting better, um, and that's kind of, you know, the, the league collectively, right, like has to get better for that to happen. But, I mean, Colorado State's a, a fantastic team. The way San Diego State has been playing this year, um, they're great. You know, so we have some teams higher in the net than, than we have in years past. Um, you know, so it, that that's a little bit too much out of my control. Of course, I would I would love to say yes. I, I, I would hope so. Um, you know, if, if, if that presents itself, but, um, you know, I, I don't think it's a shoe in just yet. Do you talk about the Arizona loss to them? Um, no, no. I mean, we're, we're, we're that's kind of, you know, feels like ages ago now. And, um, you know, the, 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 the players that played in it, they remember it, they know it. And, you know, I think they, they keep that in their back pocket for when we really need it. Do you guys talk about net rankings with your players? Like, is that something that you find important, or is that just uh, a metric that'll take care of itself? Uh, it's a metric that take care takes care of itself for sure. I mean, I don't even know if our players really know what it means. <laughs> They've got enough things to worry about. <laughs> um, you know, obviously, as a staff, we're kind of keeping an eye on some of that stuff because we're, like, geeky with some analytics. But, you know, really, I don't know – how much it fluctuates on the men's side, but for the women's side, once you kind of get midway through conference play, you're not really going to move, you know, five or six numbers regardless of, you know, obviously if we were to like win, lose the rest of the games, then we'd, we'd probably drop pretty good. But, you know, uh, at this point, you know, just because of, of where we're at, you know, we, we, even if we were to win out or do different things, I'm not sure we would move too much. I'm curious, you said you guys uh, geek out with some of the analytics there. How much do you try to maybe like game the net with your non-conference schedule? Like how important is, hey, what does that do to our net ranking when you're scheduling somebody in non-conference? I think it's huge. Um, you know, this this non-conference schedule is a little bit of a holdover from last year, just the way the contracts go. But, you know, thinking about the the schedule that we have next year, um, it, it you know, we, we want to be an at-large team uh, regardless of kind of how we do in, in the conference play. And so, you know, that's what we're working towards, uh, looking at the net again, because for women's basketball, even year to year, a team's net, you know, won't change more than 15 or 20 spots at most. You know, if you're a, if you're a 50 net team this year, um, you know, even with a transfer portal and the way different rosters can so, I mean, if they've got the same host, the, the same coach, you can expect, you know, around a, a 50 net team the following year for the most part. You know, it's not always, but um, so for next year's non-conference schedule, we've we've uh, we've uh, got our work cut out for us. <laughs> well, she is Lindy LaRock from the Lady Rebels. Again, their next game is on Saturday against Nevada. Lindy, as always, we appreciate. Thanks, your Lindy. Time. I appreciate you guys. Appreciate We're having it. a red out on Saturday, so every fan in the building is going to get a free red T-shirt. Um, you know, I think that's maybe the first time it's ever happened 
uh, for this program. So we're trying to really sell out, sell out the Cox Pavilion. Our team's been playing well, so they deserve it. So we were excited to see everyone on Saturday at 2 o'clock. Saturday cool. against Nevada. Lindy, thank you so much. Thank you. All right, you guys have a great day. You too. 2 o'clock uh, So there's Saturday. The Rock as they are uh, undefeated in conference play, 19-2 and two overall. Did you guys hear the sheep-a-doodle in the background? No. Oh, it was oh, really? <laughs> the sheep-doodle is off the treadmill? Oh, yeah, they were barking just two seconds ago. You guys didn't hear it. All right. How many Maybe dogs you got up there? There's two dogs here. Okay. So right. maybe this, I think this random bedroom's better soundproof than our studio. <laughs> is it, is it colder? There's no, it's <laughs> nice and warm here and there's no paneling falling off the wall. So that's nice. That's a nice. You made the here. jump up. All right. We got tickets to give away two tickets to the East West Shrine Bowl here at Allegiant Stadium on Thursday, February 2nd. You're going to win two tickets from us right now and you'll be qualified to potentially win two club-level VIP seats that come with food and drink. So you win two tickets to the game no matter what, if you win right now, and you'll be entered to win some club-level VIP seats. 702-364-1100. That's the phone number. Be caller number eight right now to win two tickets to the East-West Shrine Bowl at Allegiant Stadium. That's caller eight, 702-364-1100. Offensively, I, I thought the... You know, the guys, I thought the whole group played well. It was great to see Chad come in uh, in that backup role, and I thought everybody kind of stepped their game up and and uh, had so much confidence in Chad, and he executed. McKinnon coming on sprint action. Now they throw it near side. Kelsey's got it. Touchdown, Kansas City! Sprinting inside the near front pylon, and Chad Henney leads a 98-yard Chiefs touchdown drive. It's special, man. He's in the playoffs. He doesn't get any reps during the week, and he prepares himself to be able to go in for stuff like that. And you have a 98-yard drive backed up, playoff game against a great opponent. So, you guys are telling me Ed is actually gone this time? Yes. And I've got Danny and Jared in the studio. Yep. The dynamic so, duo. Yeah, you got two chuckleheads. Yeah, horrifying um i actually just want to know uh danny what bet are you most proud of winning over the weekend chad henny to score a touchdown uh that's close oh my god no i'm joking uh no to this weekend was pretty standard i didn't make any outlandish bets uh i got jalen hurts rushing touchdown so that was pretty good so you were boring is what you're telling me yeah, I didn't. I didn't have time to make it down to Arizona this weekend. Ah, you couldn't make it to the Kingman Wash. That's too bad. No, but I'm. I've already made plans to go before <laughs> this weekend, so it's happening. What do plans entail? You just call your friend and say, "Hey, let's drive to Arizona." Yeah, we try to schedule for a time that works best for both of us, but we got to make sure it's either like Saturday night or super early Sunday, so that we can do uh, player props and all that. Are you, do you already know what you want to bet on? Uh, not, not fully. I'll have to do a little bit of research into both of the matchups and then uh, figure out figure out what I want to look at. I don't know exactly what we need to do, but before the Super Bowl that week, we need to just have Danny gives out bad bet advice before the Super Bowl. Oh, just wait to the Super Bowl. I'll have some pretty outlandish yeah. bets to give out. 
Please don't, don't don't give anyone the safety one. The safety one is such a oh, bad I, bet I every never year. Do safety. I never do the safety one. But every I, year, some I never guy. do the safety. Says the guy who bet last week on will there be what one and a half extra points missed. One and a half extra points and one and a half. But uh, but the safety bet is the safety bet is below you. That's yes. Yeah. The the miss. <laughs> The extra point one is just good value. The safety one has been bad value for years, ever since that Broncos team that Peyton Manning couldn't play for. Jared, it's the Super Bowl. We don't care about value. <laughs> that there's, is true. There's one, there's one thing I bet on every year, and it's I'll take like $200, and I'll bet on a bunch of different props at the Super Bowl solely because I want something to cheer for on every single drive of the super bowl or whatever it is you, i just want some entertainment there and so with the super bowl that's what we're gonna do i do you bet on the color of the gatorade no i don't even think that's legal in nevada i don't drive to arizona to do that danny i just go to a sports book that's closest to my house and see whatever they have well, okay what gatorade you should legal. think about expanding your best uh yeah actually let's get let's get a road trip together you and danny I don't trust either of you. Uh, now, your best... Okay, well, I know you don't care about value, but I would say your best value is the coin flip. It's about a 50-50. But no, it's you don't get 50-50 odds, though. No, I know. So it's, but it's, it's pretty close. It's, it's But it's not. It's, it's <laughs> the one that is very clearly not the right value. It's minus 110 when it should be an even bet. Actually, I think even with that, they might even make it minus 115. Oh, oh. <laughs> like this is too this is too 50 50 we better make this a little bit better for the sports book there so um degenerate danny you bet on jalen hurts to have a right did you just bet on the entire eagles roster to have a rushing touchdown that would have worked out for you no just just jalen hurts yeah you could have if you what kenneth gainwell had one in the, yeah, in he the did. fourth quarter of that game you did could could you have bet on will gardner menchu be at quarterback when the eagles score a touchdown because that happened no i i could not have that's yep. a bet. Who yeah. predicted that? Um, yeah. I did, however, during the game, I predicted that Jalen Hurts was going to be pulled. And I thought he was going to be pulled a lot earlier and I wasn't going to get my rushing touchdown, but I was surprised. Oh, like you were watching it and you were like, uh-oh, they're going to win by too many points and he's not going to play the fourth quarter? Yeah, no, I thought okay. he was, was going to be pulled at halftime when they were up 28-0. to zero. It's a playoff game. You can't do it at twenty-eight nothing. Well, you could always just reinsert him if yeah, if the but... Giants were to make a comeback, but they couldn't even get the ball across midfield. It happens, it Tyler. Happens quite a bit. Can I, all right? Is Gainwell the best name for a football player for their position since there was a defensive tackle named D Liner? Gain. That is a good name for a running back. Gainwell and D Liner. Um, it might be. There once uh, was I mean... a quarterback, I believe, named Thrower. Yeah, I mean, we've talked a lot about Kenny Pickett being just a horrific name. Uh, Ryan Suckup is not a good name. There was a <laughs> kicker in college, and I can't remember his name, that was somehow worse than those two. Um, Blewett. Oh, yeah, there was, last name yeah, was Blewett. He was, wasn't he the double doink? No, that was Cody Parkey. Ah, okay. Yeah. I, I just no, I, I There was a guy named Blewett. I kind of associated it with a blown <laughs> kick. I don't know if Blewett... I don't know if he made it to the NFL, but uh, there have been some bad names. Gainwell is a very good one. Uh, it's not quite as good as D-Liner. Uh, but, yeah, you might be right. Until until we think of a better one, Kenneth Gainwell is a great name for a running back. Gain the yards. It's pretty good. I like that one. 
It looks Nate. like uh, it looks like Blewett did play. He was a member of the Washington football team. So he definitely blew some stuff. <laughs> or he was the only one in that organization that didn't. <laughs> well, Might be the key there. I mean, if we're talking about Dan Schneider blow, doing, well, I can't make that joke. Oh, boy. Yeah, good thing you stopped there. <laughs> Worked out pretty well. All right, since Danny's here, uh, Danny, what would you think of Brock Purdy? You're our Brock Purdy expert. Uh, you know, I thought he had his average game outside of the uh, the touchdown passes. I mean, he didn't throw any yesterday, but it was a it was a very nerve wracking game. I was watching it with uh, John Von Tobel and his wife because his wife is a uh, 49ers fan, so that was fun. The interesting part about that game: one, the 49ers couldn't run the ball. Um, Correct, uh, which were... I was I was very happy about. Yeah, I mean, they, they were uh, under four yards a carry. Elijah Mitchell and Christian McCaffrey both had a, uh, quite a few carries without actually totaling many yardage. And then Brock Purdy wasn't actually that good. The 19 of 29 is not that great, 214 yards. But, again, the key with Brock Purdy, that's may, maybe the most impressive thing he's done since becoming the starting quarterback, he doesn't turn the ball over. No, and like I know they, they don't ask him to do a lot. So it's not like he's put in scenarios where uh, you better make a play for us. But he they, he doesn't turn the ball over. And obviously they haven't lost very uh, basically at all. So it's not like he could lose them a game or has lost them a game. But it's very impressive that you can just throw in Brock Purdy and he's not the reason you've lost a game yet. Which is, you know, fascinating given how... Uh, he's the last pick in the draft and it's like even just hey don't screw this up and we'll be one of the final four teams playing and he hasn't screwed it up especially when you're looking at how Dak Prescott's season has gone and how he can lead the league in interceptions despite missing five games and how he can throw two in a playoff game and hell he probably should have thrown a pick six on the one of their last drives in the fourth quarter too so credit to Brock Purdy 